Well, good morning, everyone. Um, lovely to be here. If I don't know you, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Matt. I'm the vicar here at Bay Church, and it's my privilege to uh, lead this wonderful family that is Bay Church. It's uh, the greatest privilege of my life, really, and I just um, I love it. So it's wonderful to to be here this morning and to see you. Um, we're continuing our series that we started a couple weeks ago, titled "In Good Company." We're looking at some of our own experiences, some of our, maybe our current struggles or our current situations, the things that we've got going on in our life at the moment, which a lot of the time can feel like we might be the only ones going through those things, or perhaps the only ones who ever have gone through that thing in the history of humankind. Um, but looking at the Bible and realizing that we are in good company for a lot of these things that we feel and go through. Many people in the Bible, many characters and stories in the Bible um, go, experienced a lot of what we experience today. Their stories may have looked quite bleak. They, their stories uh, were stories of struggle and pain. And yet God worked in amazing ways in their life. So we're looking at how God takes our situation and our story and uses it to, to bring about his story. And um, God's unfolding story is a story of renewal. It's a story of redemption. It's that God's story that's unfolding in the world is about making all things new. And so what we want to do is we want to find our story in that story of renewal. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about Gideon and that sense of not feeling good enough. Gideon is a story that I really resonate with, as I spoke a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's my story in many ways. And so today, I want to look at the story of Joseph. Joseph, the story of Joseph hasn't, hasn't quite spoken to me in the same way that the story of Gideon um, spoke to me. Do catch up on that talk um, if you'd like to. But Joseph is certainly part of my, of my past and my, uh, a part of my story. So here's a picture of me circa 2004 in year 10. That skinny guy there is, is me. And uh, I, my school didn't quite have the Bay Church costume budget. And so we just had t-shirts with our names on it. <laughs> and I had, I had my coat. Um, I close my eyes. Anyone? No, no. I loved playing Joseph. Actually, this was, this was the moment I realized I could sing. And so I, I auditioned, having never done anything like this really before. And you had to sing in the audition. And apparently, I could. And so whether you enjoy our spectaculars or not, you have this moment to thank. <laughs> this is where it all started. Um, we won't read the whole story of, of Joseph, but, but here's an overview, though. And here's, here's a recap for some of you. Or maybe here's, here's the, the whole synopsis for those of you who, who don't know the story. But Jacob, Jacob has 12 sons. And one of them is Joseph. And he's the favorite. His dad gives him this amazing coat and he feels great. He's like, I look handsome. I look smart. No, no, no Joseph fans in the room at all. Does anyone know? All right, it is there. It is there. There we go. 
There we go. Joseph's brothers are obviously annoyed and jealous that Joseph is the favorite. Then Joseph begins to have these dreams, uh, which he tells his family, which in effect is about how one day they're all going to bow down to him. And obviously that makes the brothers even more angry. So they plot to kill him. But in the end, they don't kill him, but they sell him off to slavery where he ends up in Egypt and they tell their dad that Joseph is dead. And he gets thrown in prison while he's in Egypt for something that he didn't do. And while he's in prison, he interprets some dreams of some fellow prisoners. Two years later, Pharaoh uh, is having these dreams that he can't make sense of and word gets out that Joseph can interpret these dreams. And the dreams mean that Egypt has a famine on the way and they've got seven years of a good harvest to prepare for it. And because Joseph is really smart, Pharaoh then puts him in charge of the whole operation. Eventually, during the famine, uh, this famine, Joseph's brothers, they turn up because they now need food. And they they bow down to him as as he had dreamt about. And Joseph conceals his identity, has a bit of fun messing around with them. Um, But he eventually comes clean and tells them who he is. And then his dad comes to see him because the brothers said, do you know what, we we lied, he's not dead, he's alive. And he's so happy, they all move to Egypt and have a great time. Then Jacob, Joseph's dad, eventually dies. And the brothers are then worried that Joseph is now, now that their dad's dead, Joseph is going to get his payback on them. Now now he's going to really get them. And that's where I want to pick up the story. How was that for a recap? Feel good? (laughs) Oh, thank you for those ripple of applause. (laughs) But we're going to look at Genesis 50, uh, starting at verse 19, because this is how Joseph responds after all of that stuff that has happened in his life, after all the wrong that was done to him, and then his brothers in this moment of vulnerability worried that now he's going to pay them back. Here's how Joseph responds. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And so when I read the story of Joseph, I can only imagine the things that Joseph must have been feeling during all of that stuff, getting sold off into slavery by his brothers, getting beaten and and thrown into a pit, spending time in prison for being wrongly accused of something, and then seeing his brothers again after all of that time. I wonder if at any point Joseph felt like this wasn't part of the plan. This is not part of the plan. You know, he was highly favored by his dad. You know, he got the coat. He, he had all the stuff. He, had, he didn't want for anything. And he, then he has these dreams, right? He has these dreams which suggest that he's destined for great things. And yet all of this stuff began to unfold in his life and throughout his story. If you've ever felt like things aren't going the way that you planned, or if you've ever felt like things aren't going the way that you had hoped, or that you imagined they would be. Well, you are in good company. If you've ever felt like things just seem to be getting out of control, or that things are happening in your life that are beyond your control, things are happening to you, then you are in good company. I remember a plan, the plan that Fiona and I had when we moved to Portsmouth. 
And the plan was we were going to stay there for 10 to 15 years. That was the plan. I was going to finish being a curate at the church in Portsmouth, and then I'd become the associate vicar of that church. And that was the plan. I did later find out that, that was sort, it was my plan. It wasn't really Fiona's plan, um, but we worked through that. But that was the plan, and all the right people agreed to that plan. The archdeacons, the bishop, this is the plan. This is the plan we're working towards. Fast forward then um, three years to, to the pandemic, and we're about to log on to a Zoom call with, with the archdeacon, and we thought we were about to have a discussion about the plan and whether we could like fast track the plan. But it turns out that wasn't the plan. The plan had changed. And we were told in that Zoom call after that once the year was up that we'd have to find somewhere else outside of the diocese because there wasn't going to be any room for us. There wasn't space for us to stay. But that wasn't the plan. And I think we might have even said that. He said, we, we might have even said, what happened to the plan? What happened to the plan? And sometimes we plan things in our lives. We come up with plans and we come up with strategies. We, we plan the big things and we plan the little things. We have the travel plans, the fitness plans. We have the meal plans. And then we have dreams, don't we? We, we dream up the life that we hope to lead. We dream up the, the relationships in which we hope to have, the, the, the life, uh, our finances, our health and our well-being. We have these dreams and we have these plans. Sometimes then throughout life, we then get confirmation of those plans and those dreams. And it feels like it's really happening. And then it doesn't. And then something happens. You get ill midway through half marathon training. You get injured. Or perhaps the relationship breaks down. Or maybe we get into debt or we, we lose out on an opportunity. We lose out on something. Or maybe we, we, we get the bad news from the doctor that completely sideswipes us. And we think, that, but this is not the plan, surely. This is not the plan. And a lot of life, I find, becomes then wrapped up in, well, either dealing with or carrying a lot of these unmet expectations, a lot of these messed up plans, a lot of these broken dreams. A lot, we carry these hopes that perhaps crushed by the unforgiving ways of the world. I hope that's a common thing. I hope I'm in good company here today. Sometimes just the plan just doesn't work out. And so what do we, what do, we do with that? And as people of faith, what do we do with that? How do we grasp that? How do we wrestle with those plans we felt like were where our life was heading? What do we do with those? Well, the story of Joseph is, is perfect for a preacher who loves alliteration because you've got the pit, you've got Potiphar's wife, you've got prison, you've got Pharaoh, and I've got a few more for you as well. So when it feels like things aren't going to plan, God teaches us firstly to rely on his presence because it's in his presence that he reveals his purpose. And today I want to talk about presence and purpose. Presence and purpose. So presence first. When it feels like things aren't going to plan, God teaches us to rely on his presence. Before any fixes, before, any, before we start working through plan B, God wants us to get into his presence and rely and, and rest in his presence. His, and his presence is basically his, his simply him being with us. 
It's in the presence of God that we receive strength for life's battles. We receive the courage for the things that we face. It's in God's presence that we receive the the assurance that we never face these things on our own. And I've come to recognize that however hard I try in life, however much self-care I put in to my life to maybe stay positive or to grasp a bit of control in my life or, or to stick to the plan, to feel secure or to keep persevering, no matter how much I do, nothing brings hope and strength into my life like spending time in God's presence. And I'm one of those really weird types of people who is, is either borderline introvert or extrovert. So uh, you probably think of me, Matt, you look quite extroverted. Well, I, I recharge on my own. So I'm, quite, I'm introverted in that way. I need to go off on my own to recharge, but I have the biggest fear of missing out ever. And I just want to be around people. I want to be where the party is. And so uh, in the office, uh, lunchtime will come around and I'll look around and I haven't, usually I haven't bought anything in. So I need to go to the shops and head out to, to get my lunch. But I don't want to go on my own, obviously. So I, I'm looking around uh, the office. I might just see who else hasn't got lunch today or who else can I make up a reason to, to go for a walk with me? Gareth, let's talk about Alpha. You know, let's go for a, via Tesco's. That's my thing. I'll make up a need. Um, this is my favorite line though, where I just say it how it is. I stand up in the office and I say, who wants friendship? Anyone want friendship? And we go for a little walk because I deeply value the, just the presence of people around me. It, it gives me life. I find it life-giving. I find it comforting. I find it assuring. I want people's presence around with me. And if you would call yourself a Christian here today, well, you have this incredible truth that God is always present with you, that God is always with you, more comforting I would say, more life-giving, I would say, than someone walking with me to Greg's to buy some donuts. God's presence with me in every moment. And when Joseph was sent to prison, it was the presence of God that gave him the strength to go through it. So if we, if we jumped back from the reading that we read to um, chapter 39, it says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. The Lord was with him in the prison. And it's the presence of God above all other things that we need. Often think, all oh, right, God, I, w- I want to know what the plan is. He says, don't worry about the plan, just worry about my presence. If you're looking for peace in your life, a lot of us are looking for peace. If you're looking to find freedom, if you're looking to, to be fulfilled in life, or if you're looking for joy, it's not going to come by anything that you can buy or subscribe to. It's not going to come through any person. It's it's not going to come through any plan that we might make up. But those things come into our life only by the presence of God. So what do we need? We need to get really good at living life aware of the presence of God. We need to get better at being familiar with God's presence with us. And we can only do that if we begin to allow ourselves to find that space and that time. 
I love the daily habit in Grow. Grow is our framework for discipleship, which is helping all of us to live in the story of God and grow as disciples of Jesus. And in Grow, there's the daily habit which encourages us to find moments throughout our whole day to divert to divert away from the regular noise and the rhythms and the, and the, and the workload and the people that are, are in our space and to find that space to divert and find rest and peace in the ever-available presence of God. To find these moments to be still and to receive from God, to know that he is near and to know that he cares. It's his presence. It's his presence that he wants us to rest in. When it feels like things aren't going to plan, God teaches us to rely on his presence firstly. And then lastly, purpose. Because when it feels like things aren't going to plan and God's teaching us to rely on his presence, and it's, he's asking us to rely on his presence because it's his presence, in his presence, that he begins to reveal his purpose. God wants to reveal his purpose to you. Do you believe that? He wants to reveal his purpose to you. He wants, he wants us to live out the purpose that he has for us. It's, it's only ever through spending time with God, though, that his purpose becomes more clearer. If you're searching for that purpose, it will only ever become clearer in God's presence. And it's, well, I, I always find it's almost always retrospective. Because often we look back and, and we see the purpose behind some of the pain that we had to go through in life. And we see the reason why certain things happened in our life. We see God at work bringing good out of those situations. And that's exactly Joseph's revelation at the end in the verse that we read. In verse 20, you, in, you intended to harm me, he says. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Because God didn't cause these things to happen to me. God didn't cause those things to happen to me, but he sure used it to bring about his purposes. And he can use it to bring about good. And that's the encouragement. Because I guess I know the, the privileged position that I have as your pastor is I know that there are many situations that, you're, that lots of you are struggling through now. And lots of, lots of ways in which the plan has not worked out and things seem really tough. And it's easier for me to say, yeah, we can, we can look back and, and, and see God at work. But it's a lot harder when you're in the middle of it. Unless, of course, you can grab hold of that truth. That despite the harm being caused, despite these things that seem like they're out of our control, despite this not being part of the plan, God can and will still use it for good. It's in Romans 8, verse 28, that picks this up. It's, uh, I, I found um, Tom Wright. Uh, I love Tom Wright. Um, we only quote Tom Wright here, it seems, at Bay Church. But I love the way that he translated Romans 8, 28, because he says, we know, in fact, that God works all things together for good with those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Another translation I found said that, that in all things, God works together with those who love him to bring about what is good. That's true for you. That's true for me, that in all things, God will bring about good. That is true. 
And it's no truer than at the moment when Jesus was laid bare upon the cross, when he was broken and he was beaten, having breathed his last breath. And many of those who had followed him and many of those who were standing around the cross surely were saying, this is not part of the plan. This is not how things should have ended. And yet God's very purposes were revealed on the cross because when Jesus died, so did your sin. When Jesus died, so did our shame and so did our guilt. And Jesus took all of that upon himself on the cross so that you and I could know freedom and forgiveness and a restored relationship with God the Father. Because even in death, God brings about good. That's the story of Christianity That's the hope of the world, that despite death, God can bring about life. And so back to that Zoom call that that Fiona and I were having in Portsmouth. Uh, We just didn't know how to react to this news. You know, you've, you've got to move on. This wasn't part of the plan. And as we're receiving this news, literally whilst we're on this Zoom call, my phone is vibrating. And obviously, I can't, I can't answer it, but I, I looked afterwards. It was Alex, who was my vicar at the time. And so I called him back, and I said, look, well, sorry, I was, on a, I was on a Zoom call getting told I'm no longer uh, welcome in Portsmouth. Um, not, it wasn't quite like that. But I said, what, what's going on? And he said, well, um, the, there's a guy who wants to get hold of you. And this guy who wanted to get hold of me in that moment was the guy who oversees and appoints those who plant HTB churches. And so I gave, I gave him a call. His name's Mark. And I said, hey, Mark. He said, Matt, we'd love you to look at a church plant in Torbay. And, you know, here we are. And so I, in, in a moment where one plan was dying, a call was coming in at the same moment to reveal what the plan was all along. Actually, those four years you've spent in Portsmouth is is the perfect experience that I want you to have in order to plant a church like Bay Church. That's what the Lord was saying to us. When it feels like things aren't going to plan, God reveals his purposes. He reveals it in his presence. And if you feel like things aren't going to plan right now, know and rest assured that you can spend time in God's presence. You can find rest and peace in his love. And he begins to slowly reveal his purposes for us, which is about building his kingdom here in the bay and beyond. Amen. Amen. Shall we stand and let's um, pray?